Mic check 717. This is Eric T. Jones, a.k.a. Brother Jones, and I just need five minutes of your time. Today I'm going to discuss why we're still struggling for suffrage. There are a lot of reasons why this is the case, but I'm going to focus on the racist opinions of a few Supreme Court justices. The 15th Amendment was ratified in 1870, yet 151 years later, there's a vicious effort to debilitate blacks' voting power under the guise of voter integrity. The nerve of them to make claims about integrity. But this is nothing new. From 1870 to 1965, regressives did whatever they could. Poll taxes, literacy tests, fraud, and physical violence to safeguard the status quo. It's important to note the origins of voting rights. The right to vote was originally reserved for white male property owners. Everybody else had to fight for it. For this reason, the Voting Rights Act of 1965 had a pre-clearance requirement because they knew the deal. The requirement states, and I'm quoting here, under Section 5, any change with respect to voting in a covered jurisdiction or any political subunit within it cannot legally be enforced unless and until the jurisdiction first obtains the requisite determination by the United States District Court for the District of Columbia or makes a submission to the Attorney General. Now, that's a lot there. In other words, states couldn't pass any laws that would restrict voting rights unless the feds approved it, an unlikely possibility. The pre-clearance requirement was originally a temporary measure that was set to expire in 1970, but it was renewed up until 2006. During that period, both Richard Tricky Dicky Nixon and Ronald the Devil in the Flesh Reagan tried to eliminate the pre-clearance requirement, but didn't succeed. However, the Supreme Court's ruling in Shelby v. Holder in 2013 got the job done, and that's why voter suppression laws proliferated throughout the nation thereafter. In the opinion of the court, Chief Justice John Roberts highlights the pre-clearance requirement, writing, There is no denying, however, that the conditions that originally justified these measures no longer characterize voting in the covered jurisdictions. Yet, he adds, at the same time, voting discrimination still exists. No one doubts that. The question is whether the act's extraordinary measures, including its disparate treatment of the states, continue to satisfy constitutional requirements. Okay, Robert, so what you're telling me is that voting discrimination still exists, but the pre-clearance requirement that's designed to keep voting discrimination at bay is federal overreach and unconstitutional. I tell you, the regressives love equivocating. To understand Chief Justice John Roberts' words, let's investigate his past. Between 1980 and 1981, Roberts clerked for Justice William Rehnquist, a states' rights crusader who showed disdain towards civil rights legislation. In the 1950s, when Rehnquist clerked for Justice Robert Jackson, he wrote a memo during the first round of arguments in Brown v. Board of Education that read, I think Plessy v. Ferguson was right and should be reaffirmed. Yes. He believed the separate but equal doctrine that legalized Jim Crow was constitutional. Now, there are two questions I need to answer before I move on in case you're wondering. Number one, who nominated William Rehnquist to the Supreme Court? Richard Nixon. Number two, who nominated William Rehnquist to Chief Justice? Ronald Reagan. You can't make this shit up. Following Robert's clerkship with Rehnquist, 
his judicial mentor. He transitioned into the Department of Justice under the Reagan administration. If you were to research Robert's time at the Justice Department, you'll see very clearly that he had it out for the Voting Rights Act as far back as the 1980s. So, why is this information significant? It gives some historical perspective on why Roberts had no problem gutting the Voting Rights Act in Shelby versus Holder, because he's a chief racist, not a chief justice. Yep, I said it. Cry two tears in a bucket. Recently, the Supreme Court's decision in Brnovich versus Democratic National Committee upheld two voter suppression laws in Arizona that doubled down on Shelby versus Holder, establishing a dangerous judicial precedent for voting rights. In the opinion of the court, Justice Samuel Alito writes, but the mere fact there is some disparity in impact does not necessarily mean that a system is not equally open or that it does not give everyone an equal opportunity to vote. Here we go with the gaslighting. Looks like Roberts and Alito are two peas in a pod. If this is what our conservative justices think, my people were fucked. Even in a perfect union where the John Lewis Voting Rights Act and the For the People Act become law, will these acts overcome a Supreme Court headed by a chief racist and five injustices? It's not a game out here. The Brennan Center for Justice reports that regressives have introduced over 400 bills in 49 states that restrict voting access between January 1 and July 14 of this year. Sadly, it appears our Supreme Court is in retrograde mode because voter suppression is back to being constitutional. Well, my five minutes are way up. Keep your head on a swivel until next time.